Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. The highlight of all of it is Jesus. It's Jesus. So, I mean, I could be looking forward to this, that, or whatever, but when it all comes down to it, when you're there, your focus is on Jesus. Your focus is on Him. Like, He is the highlight of this most incredible and the most beautiful city and creation thing that has ever existed. Uh, He will be the centerpiece of that. He'll be the centerpiece of it. There's a lot to look forward to in the new Jerusalem and new earth, including the beauty of the city and no more pain or sorrow or sickness. The most important thing, however, as Pastor James is going to point out to you today, is that God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all dwell there with you. God's presence is going to overshadow everything else, and your mind isn't going to be on all the other things you might wonder about now. It's going to be on His glorious presence that's there. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Revelation 22, if you've got a Bible, turn there, please. This is it, the last chapter. We've made it. I don't know how you feel about coming to the conclusion of Revelation, but sometimes you come to an end of a book and you're just like crawling to the end of the finish line. And sometimes um, that's what happens when you're preaching through a book, because most of the time, if you don't know this, uh, if you've never taught a Bible study, you actually have to like live it before you can share it. I mean, that's usually how that goes. And it's not always fun. It's certainly not. Um, it can be trying. It can be difficult and all that good stuff. Um, and Revelation, it's just spiritual warfare. Sometimes that comes along with it, right? We know how that is. I don't know about you guys, but my heart longs for a new heaven and new earth. Um, and a new heaven and new earth. I don't know what your week's been like or anything like that, but one's been up and down and all this good stuff. Migraine on Sunday, that went away. Praise God for that. Uh, poison ivy all over my chest and my stomach right now, I think. Um, That's pretty sweet, too. So I'm like, all right, new heaven, new earth, please. Please, Jesus. Like, I don't think that's going to be there. Uh, Whatever poison plant does not like me will not be present in the new heaven and new earth. I'm sure of it. So uh, I want to get there. So uh, you appreciate what's to come when you walk through, uh, you know, real life. (laughs) So... uh, We get to look at this chapter, which just kind of wraps up this beautiful book. Revelation is one of the sweetest, coolest books that's out there. Um, We're going to wrap it up with one final little snapshot of what's to come, this great place that Jesus is actively preparing for you and I right now. All right, so Revelation 22. Let me just kind of go back into 21 real fast, um, just to bring everybody up to speed, but... Chapter 21 introduces the new Jerusalem, okay? Um, Now, what we need to understand is new heaven and new earth mean brand new, like brand new. It's not like remodeled or it's like the new earth will be familiar to us. It's not going to be familiar to you at all, at all. So it's not going to be like, okay, well, once we get there, then 
I'm going to see if I can like reserve a spot, uh, you know, in Switzerland because it's beautiful there. But there's no Switzerland that probably doesn't even exist. It's a new heaven and a new earth. And there's a new Jerusalem and they are made brand new. So we have no concept at all as to what it's even going to look like. All we know is that it'll be probably completely different than what we know right now. Totally. So no sea. Well, what does that mean? Well, I don't know. No sea. I guess that's what that means. Um, River flowing from the throne of God. Well, that's cool. How long is that river? Because the New Jerusalem is 1,500 miles this way and that way and that way. It's huge. It's gigantic. You know, we have the millennial kingdom, which that's when Jesus rules and reigns on this earth for a thousand years. And it's, you know, uh, we're going through all that stuff. Like that stays the same, but then that gets just done away with. The new heaven, new earth is not the millennial earth remodeled. It's a new thing. So you get this new Jerusalem that comes descending out of the sky. It's roughly the size of our moon. Uh, if you want to figure out what size-wise, dimension-wise, um, it's about the size of our moon. That's a pretty big city. <laughs> That's huge. I was reading some more statistics on it. If you have like 20 billion people in this new earth, each person gets like 75 acres to themselves. Like that's the size dimensions. That's insane. That's this way to this way. And then it goes up. Like it's massive. It's humongous. We can't even fathom what this thing's going to look like. If you put it on this cube, so to speak, on the United States of America, like on the map, I mean, it covers up basically the whole eastern side of this country. Or you can switch it over to cover up the whole western side if you want to. But it's like from, I think it's from Albuquerque to Spokane, Washington, uh, or Dallas to Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. I mean, it covers a massive amount of territory. So it's 1,500 miles this way, 1,500 miles that way, 1,500 miles high. It's just gigantic. And it's made out of the coolest stones and gems that are just perfect. So that's why when we went through 21, as it's descending from heaven and settles, like maybe it's hovering over earth or whatever, John is just floored by it because he's never seen something so beautiful. And he says it's like the bride. Here comes the bride. And that is like future for us. Sounds like sci-fi, kind of weird, like hard to believe kind of a deal. Like you're like, what? Because this is all we know. This is all we know. We know two by fours. We know sheetrock. We know concrete. Like that's what we know. But God's going to change it all. And so with this new heaven and new earth, it's going to be, oh, no, these gates are made out of one single pearl. And the walls are made out of precious gems that humans would kill each other for, you know, or make people dig in mines, you know, as slave labor to dig up these things. God's like, I just use that for construction material. Like, that's what it is for me. This is where we're going. This is the destination. 22 is going to give us that reminder of the fact that as cool as New Jerusalem is, as amazing as a new heaven, new earth is, the highlight of all of it is Jesus. It's Jesus. So, I mean, I could be looking forward to this, that, or whatever, but when it all comes down to it, when you're there, your focus is on Jesus. Your focus is on him. Like he is the highlight of this most incredible and the most beautiful city and creation thing that has ever existed. Uh, he will be the centerpiece of that. He'll be the centerpiece of it. So look at verse 1. I'm going to read from New Living Translation. It says this. 
the angel showed me a river uh, with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So there's the throne of God, there's the Lamb, and here's this river, the water of life flowing free. It's crystal clear, it's beautiful, it's sparkling, it's all that good stuff. It says, it flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. This is incredible. Like, this is in this new city of Jerusalem, right? So if it's hovering, you get this river that's flowing through it, and it's like hovering over you. Like, can you walk underneath it and look up, and there's a river? I don't know. We know that the city is made of such pure gold and pure gems and everything. They're, they're transparent. They're just transparent. But from the throne flows this river of life. And there's the tree of life. The wording here is it's not just like a tree of life, but trees of life all along the banks of this river. And you can eat from it all you want, all you want. In fact, eat the leaves if you want to. The leaves provide healing for the nations, which indicates a really interesting thing, that there's like nations in this new heaven and new earth. That's kind of fun to think about. Chew on that for a while. Like, maybe there's different, like, nations, but they're all getting along. There's never any war, never any sin. There's nothing, never. But maybe all across this new earth, there's different kind of tribes-type things. I don't know. It's fascinating. What we do know about this tree is that um, it's constantly yielding fruit, constantly yielding fruit. Each month it is, uh, and the leaves are used as a medicinal purpose. It's just amazing, right? Like, I think about any time I read through this chapter, I always kind of go back to the garden, like with Adam and Eve. You know, Adam was like the first gardener, okay? So he's dealing with all these trees and stuff, and what it would have been like to be there. So if, if something's going on, I mean, you just pluck a piece of fruit out of any tree that you want, basically. And there was one that they weren't supposed to. Um, that's where we're at. That's why we're here today. But I mean, you can feast off of this fruit. You can eat the leaves. They're just medicinal. They're so good for you. They're healthy. And you can have as much as you want. It's incredible. The notion here is like, look, there will always be an abundance. You will never have a need of any kind in this new heaven and new earth. Never have a need. Never. I mean, do we even need to eat with glorified bodies? Probably not. But we get to. Like, how incredible is that? We have glorified bodies. I'm sure we won't need to eat, but we know that when Jesus resurrected from the dead, that he was like, yeah, let's have a little fish fry, you know, like right there on the shore of Galilee, like just grilling up some fish. I don't know. Did Jesus eat? Maybe he had some fish tacos. Probably. Did he need to eat? Probably not. But he got to. Why? Because it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. I think food is meant to be enjoyed. It should be meant to enjoy Everything in moderation, all that good stuff that doctors tell us, you know, like, and they're smart. They know what they're talking about. But new heaven, new earth, there's going to be this tree, the tree of life, and feast from it. It's also an indication that you're not going to die. There's no more death. There's no more death. And it's not like my life's running out, so I need to run to the tree of life and eat, scarf down some fruit so I don't. No, you're never going to die. You're never going to die. And the fact that this tree is producing new fruit each and every month for eternity, like that alone is kind of like enough to entertain you. Because you'd be like, I wonder what the fruit's going to be this month, <laughs> right? Like fruit of the month club in heaven. You're like, oh, sweet. I've never seen this before. 
taste it, and it's like, that tastes like a cheeseburger. It's amazing, right? So I don't think we're going to be meat eaters in heaven. I'm sorry to tell you. More likely, you go back to being vegetarians. It's not a bad deal. That's not a bad thing, okay? Um, I'm sure vegetarian, I'm sure there's going to be incredible bread there, so no worries about celiac disease or anything like that. Praise God, new bodies, all that good stuff. You eat what you want, and just, it's going to be amazing. It's just going to be incredible. So John is painting this picture for us, okay, as he sees it. Verse 3, it says, no longer will there be a curse upon anything. The curse has been, it's taken away. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be there. His servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them. That's that Shekinah glory. And they will reign forever and ever. So here's some just more little interesting insights, okay? So you have the curse is done away with. That's good. God is tabernacling with us. Okay, that's technically what that means. It's a tabernacle. It is set up forever. So there's God. There's Jesus. There's the Holy Spirit. All three present. We see them all the time in heaven. You're around them all the time. Here's the deal. This is kind of where we kind of misconstrue some things, right? Because we think that, well, when you're in heaven, it's just an unending work, praise and worship service. That's not true. That's not true. It says that we serve him. So how will you serve him? It says his servants will worship him. Okay, that's technically the word there. Well, what does worship mean? Us Americans have done a really good job of limiting worship to singing songs, and that's not correct. That's not accurate, right? That's not it at all. What is worship God? Worshiping God is living for God. It's using the gifts that he's given you to bring him glory. That's what that is. So here's the thought. You go into a new heaven, new earth, forever, eternal existence. You take in there whatever he has gifted you. He's created you the way that he has wanted you to be created. He has hardwired you a certain way with giftings and abilities. That's not going to be done here on this earth. This might just be the practice for what you will be doing forever in a new heaven and a new earth, serving him or worshiping him. So what are you passionate about? What is that thing that has a hold of your heart? They're like, man, this keeps me up. Not in a bad way, but like, this is my gift. He's put this in me. This is, man, I know that this is what he's called me to do. There's a good chance a lot of commentators kind of agree on the same thing, is that you may be doing that in heaven forever. So throw away the notions or the ideas or the thoughts of like sitting on the fluffy cloud, plucking away at a heart, because no, that's not heaven for me, okay? That's a horrible idea. And I think that that makes eternity seem like an eternity, okay? In my brain, I'm like, what? Who would want to do that? Like, how many songs can you possibly learn on one harp, right? Forever. I'm like, no. But maybe somebody is gifted as a musician. Maybe God has gifted you as a musician. Imagine what it would be like in heaven. I'm using the term heaven. Okay, please know, I'm trying to simplify it to a certain When I say heaven, I'm talking about this new heaven and new earth, okay? I'm just summarizing it with the term heaven, okay? Because I think that's familiar to us. But imagine going into that eternal existence in the presence of Jesus and being able to use that gift forever, perfectly, perfectly. I mean, you can just go through the list of gifts and all that stuff. Maybe it's a gift of hospitality. Like, that's your deal. Can you imagine hosting dinner parties in heaven, like the perfect scenario, like no bad guest, 
Like, no, watching the clock and like, man, when are they going to leave? Like, it's, it's midnight. Like, go, leave. Like, it doesn't matter. There's different things that I believe that God has really hardwired with inside of us. And I find it hard to believe that that is done away with when you die. I think that that's in there for a reason. I think the importance of using your gift now really is kind of like a practice for then. And that's why we should really come at it at that angle. I'm guilty of this as well. Churches are always guilty of this. We always need help, right? And so then you got to feel like you're guilting people into like, oh, no, look, you got a gift. You should use your gift. Maybe we should come at it from a different angle where it's like, look, you're going to be doing it forever. You might as well start now. Like, figure out what it is. Like, and then just start doing it. Just start putting it into practice. You don't know what your gifting is. That's a common thing. I don't know what my gift is. Well, you'll never know until you start trying out different things, right? The best way is through the process of elimination. And that's how I discovered I was not very good at some of these other things, okay? And I'm constantly working through that list, okay? That has not ended for me at all, coming up to like almost 20 years of like, 20 years of for sure walking with the Lord, but almost 20 years of ministry. It's just going to be amazing. This worshiping him continually, forever. Will there be worship concerts? Of course there will be. And they will be led by the most skilled and amazing musicians and singers that are presently or have lived on this planet. They will carry that with them. That'll be amazing. Those nights of worship, awesome, for sure. But it's not all just that. It's not all just that. There's a coming into the city and a going out of the city, right? So you're not like trapped in a cube right? The gates are always open. You can come and go. Well, where are you going to? I'm going to explore this new earth because I've never seen anything like this. I want to go see what a new mountain looks like in the new earth. I'm going to follow this river wherever it goes. Like, I'm going to go snorkeling in this thing. Like, what lives in that river? Like, what maybe new animals are present on this new earth? And these types of thoughts, please don't hold on to them as like dogmatic or like, you're not going to get up there and be like, well, James was wrong about this and this and this and this. Like, you're going to be floored, okay? You're going to be amazed. You won't even remember anything that I've ever said. I mean, that happens naturally on this planet anyways, right? So if you're like me, you won't be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. So everything you endure on this planet is worth it for what's to come, for what's to come. It should stir up within us this desire, this passion to like, just go all out for him. What do you have to lose? What do we have to lose? Dignity? We don't have much of that anyways. Christians are not very dignified. At one point in time, pastors used to be looked up to. Now it's kind of like, oh, you're a pastor. Oh, interesting. Well, what do you plan on doing with the rest of your life? Like, what do you do the rest of the five days of the week? Because you only work like, what, two days, right? Like, that's always the thing. You only work on Sundays, right? I'm like, eh, no, not really. Um, so we're not worried about that. We're not worried about how people perceive us. We're not worried about any of that stuff. We are living for what's to come, and we want to take as many people with us as possible. Because you can't read through some of the stuff and not get fired up and be like, man, sweet. Lord, where's that button? Smash that rapture button. Let's do this now. But he's not. Not yet. Interesting. We're getting closer. How do I know that? Well, Israel just signed a big peace, peace treaty. That's humongous. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, Tuesday they finalized this thing. I read up on this peace treaty. I read all the ins and outs of it because one of my pastor friends was like, 
holy cow, like this is a major prophetic kind of deal. Like, pay attention to this. So I looked into it. And uh, this new peace treaty in the wording and stuff has kind of opened up really prayer to happen at any holy site in the nation of Israel. That's major. Because there's one holy site where Jews could never pray at, and that's the Temple Mount. It was illegal. It was deemed illegal for them to go up there and pray. They could go up there, and they could walk around, okay? Um, But they could never stop. They couldn't pray. No prayer is happening on there. Well, that kind of changes with this new peace deal. So here's the thinking behind that. Well, that kind of opens up the door for there to be maybe a peaceful solution of like, well, so technically, we can build our temple on the Temple Mount right here, and it won't interfere with your holy site at all. And that is technically true. And there are a lot of people pushing for that, lots of people pushing for that right now. Instruments, I've told you guys this before, but all the instruments for the new temple have been made. They've all been made. I've seen them. Like, they will proudly show you, like, look, we made all the stuff. We got everything we need. They're ready to go. They are ready to go. So that should stir up that thing of like, oh, that's major, absolutely major. This peace deal that's going on over there right now, humongous concerning uh, history, not just past, but also the present and what will come about. It's amazing. You live in exciting times right now. In case you haven't discovered that, you live in really exciting times. So it's, I know it's easy to get distracted from all this other stuff, but there are a lot of things happening within the nation of Israel that we have to be paying attention to because it literally could be any moment. There is nothing standing in the way of the rapture, nothing, prophetically, nothing. Nothing has to happen. He can take us up at any moment in time, any. So it's exciting. That's cool. Um, but we're not there yet unless something changes in the next, like, 20 minutes. We're, we're not there yet. So let's press on. There's no need for uh, sun and all this good stuff is what this says. There, there's no night um, because the Lord's kind of glory will illuminate this entire place. That doesn't mean that there won't be a sun, that there won't be moon, that there won't be stars. I know there's different commentators would say, or even other planets. Um, some of the commentators I saw, and I tend to agree with them a little bit, is that just because they're not needed doesn't mean that they're not going to be there, okay? Because technically, we kind of are going back to a garden experience. When he made everything in the, the first garden, and you can read through it, Genesis chapter 1, after everything, he spoke light into existence. His thought, his conclusion was, it's good. Made the sun, the moon, the stars. It's good. Everything he made was good, okay? Um, so there is an idea that this new earth, uh, that you know, there may be some of these elements that are still there. Again, you're going to get there and you're going to be like, where's the sun? You're not thinking that way, okay? Our sun is burning out right now. There's no denying it. It was meant, it's on a time clock. It's not meant to last forever, okay? It is burning out constantly. By every minute, it is losing fuel, quote unquote, okay? Um, Scientists know this. This is factual. Um, And so we're heading towards you know, that thing ceasing to be needed here. Now, what would a new sun look like in a new earth that doesn't even need it? I have no idea. But I know that within this, it doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be celestial bodies that are out there, okay? That can fire up some imagination within your brain of like, hey, I'm just going to go fly over to this other planet and explore that thing. Well, sure. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know how any of this stuff's going to work, okay? 
a very childlike within inside of here. Okay, um, so that's kind of what I think. I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna go take off and go explore other planets. Will I be able to do that? I don't know. That's all we have time for today on Bread for the Broken. We're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James Grizzle teaches through Revelation, the last book in the Bible. Revelation can sometimes feel like a daunting book to read or to even begin to understand, but it does hold incredible truth and hope, the hope of a better world, a healed world, a whole world, a time when God restores all that is broken. So don't be afraid of what's to come. If you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, you have nothing to fear. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more verse-by-verse teachings from Pastor James, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the Teachings tab. We'd love to meet you in person too, so if you're in the area, join us this weekend for worship at Calvary Galveston. We're a church of ordinary people, striving to love and live just like Jesus did. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to start the week out right with worship. We're pretty relaxed, so please just come as you are. Find out more by navigating to our church website, breadforthebroken.com. If you're unable to join us in person, we also live stream our services on Facebook so that you can join us virtually too. Just search for Calvary Galveston. If you've been blessed by this program, would you let us know? You can connect with us through the contact page at breadforthebroken.com. Would you also consider partnering with us financially in spreading the gospel message? You can find out more and donate securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken.